Welcome, everybody, and welcome to those of you who are joining us live or on social media. Thank you so much for being here, as we are in the middle of a series called Reply All. And here's what we did. This past Easter, we knew it's Easter's always, it's like the Super Bowl in churches. It's our biggest service. We had nine services in two locations, over 2,300 people. And we said, what we want to do is we want to poll our church family, and we want to ask them, what topics do you want biblical answers to? And so we gave you a survey, and as a result of the survey, these are the responses. These are the top four issues, topics that you want biblical answers for. And we started last week with handling stress. That's the number one thing you guys want to know. And so if you missed that, go online and you can uh, look at our sermon last week and hopefully gain some insight. The second most requested topic was forgiveness, and that's going to be our subject here today, forgiveness. The third was discovering God's plan for my life, and the fourth was family. So during this month, we're taking one of these topics for each week, and we're covering that. Then next month, we're moving into the book of Colossians. We're going to go through the book of Colossians, one of my favorite epistles. And then we're into Christmas, so it's hard to believe, but we're already there. Now, if I were to ask you, how would you sum up Christianity in one word? Probably your answer would be, well, it's got to be love. God is love. The greatest commandment in the Bible is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. And Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, so this is the most important thing to understand, love each other deeply. This next part is what I want you to to catch in light of the term forgiveness, because love covers over a multitude of sins. And I think that's a good definition for forgiveness. It's covering over, for love's sake, a multitude of sins. And what I want to do today is I want to look at four questions about the subject of forgiveness. And to answer these four questions from a biblical standpoint, and I think by the time this message is over, each one of us will have a better understanding of forgiveness. And let me just say this. Every single one of us needs to forgive, and every single one of us has been offended. And the truth is, each one of us has offended somebody else as well. And if you were to sit back and just kind of think of all the people that done you wrong, we could all write a country song about our life, couldn't we? Somebody done you wrong. And I know it's a little, making a little bit light of it, but forgiveness is no laughing matter. Some of the deepest hurts in life are those things that will either make us or break us in our walk with Christ. Forgiveness, when we are walking in forgiveness, we are never acting so much like God as when we forgive. And the truth is, each one of us has need to forgive, each one of us has offended others, and we need forgiveness from others and from God as well. Now, as I talk about this first question, what is forgiveness? Let me just say this. Sometimes it's easier to understand something by defining what it is not. And so before I I give you like a technical definition rather of what forgiveness is, I want to talk about what it's not. And let me just say this, because sometimes, you know, you listen to a speaker or whatever and think, oh yeah, well, it's easy for him to say. He doesn't know what I've been through. 
And maybe what you've been through is worse than what I've been through. Maybe not. I don't know. The point is that we all need to forgive. And I just want to share with you, just to kind of connect with you for a minute, about the toughest year of my life. Um, And that happened several years ago when we started the church here. We had a family friend whom I'd known since childhood who helped us uh, start the church and had a big, beautiful home and was very hospitable and constantly had new people as we were beginning the church come into his home. And, and I was very grateful to he and his wife for their contribution in helping us get the church off the ground. And because I had this relationship that dated back, you know, since childhood, um, I trusted him and he violated that trust. And what he did, and I guess it turns out he had a track record of doing this, manipulating young girls for his own personal pleasure, uh, he ended up manipulating one of our daughters and doing some horrible things. And uh, I, was, I was always that guy, you know, who was like, you know what, you can hurt me, I'll forgive you, but you hurt one of my kids, I'll kill you. Dads, you relate. Touch me, okay, you hurt my family, I'm going to kill you. And, um, you know, I say that tongue in cheek, but actually I've had thoughts of that. I will kill you, you know. And um, I'll never forget the day when it all kind of came to a head. Again, the nature of needing to forgive is that you're offended. And when you're truly offended in the most egregious ways, it's because there's been trust that's been built and been breached. I'll never forget this walk. Lisa and I were going on a walk in our neighborhood, and she looked like she had seen a ghost. And I'm like, what is wrong? And I'll just never forget the day she looked at me and she said, this has happened to our daughter. And instantly, I, I knew I had to make a choice. I either, you know, take matters into my own hands, vengeance, you know, I get vengeance, or I forgive. And I knew what I should do is forgive, and we're going to explain why scripturally. But on the other hand, I really wanted to make this person suffer for the harm he'd caused our family. And so, Living in the tension of that and walking through that has taught me practically some, some lessons about forgiveness. And so I want to pull from my experience and more importantly from my knowledge of Scripture today and try to help you because I know there's probably many of us either listening online or presently and the truth is you've been offended and there's not forgiveness yet. And you want that person to pay. And every time you think of them, there's bitterness and you want vengeance. And that is a a normal human emotion. But let me just say right off the bat what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not condoning. Forgiveness is not failing to see the action as wrong. You don't condone. When someone violates you, when someone sins against you, You don't condone it. You don't just excuse it. And that's the second thing. Forgiveness is not excusing. It's not saying, okay, you're no no longer responsible for the wrong that you've done. And forgiveness is not forgetting. You know, it's, it's like a scar. You know it's there. The good news is when you truly forgive, it doesn't hurt anymore, but the scar is there. It's not, you don't wipe it off your memory. It's not pardoning. And it's not necessarily reconciliation. 
restoration of the relationship. So after this happened, I did the, the most important thing I could do for my family is I went and got a protection order and had to go to court, do all that, serve papers, and thankfully the guy moved. Um, but there are some sins you understand that when they happen, they're so horrible that it would be unwise to have reconciliation of a relationship. You're better off to cut it off. But that doesn't mean we don't forgive. doesn't mean we don't forgive. Now, forgiveness can lead to reconciliation and restoration, and hopefully it does in some circumstances, and other times it's not wise, but forgiveness can lead to some of these things. But again, we don't condone sin. We don't condone and excuse sin or not hold people responsible for the wrong they've done. We're, we're certainly not going to forget it. We don't pardon it. And there may or may not be reconciliation. All these things are important, but they're not forgiveness. What is forgiveness then? Forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process. And I say that because sometimes it's easy to forgive like that, and sometimes it takes a long time. This same situation with my daughter, I, I knew the moment my wife told me that I had a choice to make, and I made the choice. I said, God, in my heart, I'm going to forgive. And I had a supernatural, I call it a download of grace. This has only happened to me once in my life like this, where instantly I was able to forgive. And that, I knew that was a work of grace. Probably God did that so I wouldn't go to jail. <laughs> I don't know. But he did. That same instance, it took my wife five years to forgive. And she just told me today, she said, I was, I'll never forget what happened. Five years I could not forgive what he had done. And she said, I was in the mirror and I was doing my hair. And all of a sudden, she said, she called it the fear of the Lord. She said, the fear of the Lord hit me. And God said, you need to forgive now. And she said, I made that choice. And when I did, God gave me grace and I was able to do that, to forgive. But it took her five years. It took me five minutes. But I've had other situations that have happened in my life that took a lot longer. And I'm going to explain, if you don't instantly have those, that grace where you just feel clean and you have to keep battling it, I'm going to show you how to battle that when we answer the last question. But forgiveness is an intentional and it's a voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding an offense. It's where you let go of the negative emotions, such as, I want vengeance or I'm bitter. It rejects compensation from or punishment of the offender, however legally or morally justified it might be, with an increased ability to wish the offender well. Let me ask you, is there anyone in your life right now that you need to forgive? Maybe you were cheated on. Maybe you were betrayed. Maybe you've been a victim of racism. Maybe you've been physically abused, emotionally abused, sexually abused. What is coming to your mind right now? You've been betrayed. You've been unjustifiably treated in such a way where it left a hole in your heart. It left you emotionally, even physically, a wreck. Have you forgiven? Well, that might be what it technically means, but what is practically, what does forgiveness look like? It means that even though you can recall the offense, you're not going to bring it up. You're not going to conjure it up in your own mind again and cultivate 
those feelings of animosity and those thoughts of bitterness and getting revenge. So even though I said forgiveness technically is it's not forgetting, practically it's forgetting. It's a promise to bury the offense like God does with us. He removes it as far as the east is from the, the west. It's a promise to remove the wrong done against you, and it starts in the heart. And sometimes reconciliation is not possible, but nonetheless, it's, this, it's inside in your heart where you say, I will no longer hold vengeance or bitterness. Instead, I eagerly desire lovingly, longingly to see a full restoration of that one who has sinned. I want to see them restored. I want to see them in heaven. I want them to repent. The reconciliation sometimes comes when the sinner will come back and seek reconciliation or restitution or restoration. Sometimes it can't, but again, that's not forgiveness. Here is the litmus test. Here's how you know whether or not you have crossed the line and you have truly forgiven. If you truly forgive, your heart holds love toward that person. That's how you know. You love them. That is a supernatural work of God, what He does in the heart when He restores it. And never do we act so much like God as when we forgive. It's an attitude of love. It's an attitude in the heart of affection. It says, I only want what's best for that person. I only want goodness for that person. Regardless if they come and apologize or not, regardless if they ever acknowledge their wrong or not, in the meantime, my heart holds no grudge. My heart holds no bitterness. My heart reaches out to that person in love, and I want the best for them. Are you there? Have you forgiven? That is what forgiveness is. But let's answer this question, why bother? Why can't I have bitterness? Why can't I want revenge? What they were did was so wrong. Why can't I do this? And I'm going to give you several reasons and then sum it up with one, the biggest one that I can think of. On the one hand, we know we must forgive because we have been forgiven by God. And that is true. We must forgive in obedience to God. That's true. We forgive others to gain control of our own lives from our hurt emotions. When we forgive, we get out of a prison and we find out that prisoner was us. And that's true. We forgive so we don't become bitter and defile those around us. And that's true. And there's probably many other reasons as well. By forgiving others, we do free ourselves spiritually and we do free ourselves emotionally. And those are all valid reasons to forgive. It's just not the biggest one. You want the bottom line? I'm a bottom line kind of guy. Here's the bottom line why we forgive. Jesus said it in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If, it's conditional, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Notice verse 15. But if you refuse, see, it's our choice. It's in our control. If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. What more do you need to know? If you forgive others, God will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, God will not forgive you. And we know where people who are not forgiven spend eternity. I don't know of any more important subject 
than that. I don't know of anything that I could say stronger than that. What more do you need to know? If you want God's forgiveness, you have no choice. If you're a follower of Jesus, you must forgive. Well, who do I forgive? I have to forgive the one who betrayed me. I have to forgive the one who legally or sexually or whatever has hurt me. Simply put, you have to forgive anyone who offends you. Your family, your spouse, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates, even your enemies. Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive, here it is, anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Again, in light of what forgiveness is not, you don't have to condone, you don't have to excuse, you don't have to pardon, you don't have to forgive. What you do have to do is forgive. And the way you know that you have forgiven is that you have love in your heart for that person. Jesus even went as far as to say this in Luke 6, 27, but to you who are willing to listen, I hope you're willing to listen today, I say love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. You know, I've heard mistakenly people say, well, Christianity, it's a crutch for weak people. Have you heard that? And I say, you don't know what Christianity is. Is it easier to hate your enemies? Isn't it easier to do bad to those who hate you? Christ has called us to a higher life, a harder life. He's called us to love our enemies. He's called us to do good to those who mistreat you and hate you and revile you and speak evil against you and physically harm you. But you can do it. Amen? Not only can you, you must do it. Everyone and anyone who has sinned against you. Why should I forgive? Because if you don't, God won't. What is forgiveness? How do you know you've crossed the line? You love others from the heart. And now I practically want to show you how to do it. How can I do it? It seems impossible. The motions are still raw. It's still, still digging at that scab. It's still oozing. It's still there every day. How do I do it? How do I do it? Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, the Bible says this. Get rid. Now, the implied subject is you. And this implies that you have the ability. It's in your control. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind. Be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How? Just as in Christ God forgave you. Think about this, that if we just broke one of the Ten Commandments every day for our entire life, 
then we have sinned against God in thought, in deed, in motive, hundreds of thousands of times in our life. And someone sins against you a few times and you're like, eh, I can't do it. I won't forgive. Jesus told a story about this, a parable. He said, there was a man who owed his, his owner, his manager, a million bucks. I'm paraphrasing. And back in those days, they had a debtor's prison. If you, if you owed a debt you couldn't pay, you went to jail until your family pennied up and paid off your debt, and then you'd get busted out of jail. And so this guy knows he owes his boss a million bucks. He goes and he falls at his knees and he pleads for mercy. Listen, I, I know I owe you a million but would you forgive it? Please just have mercy on me. Forgive it. The boss has compassion on him. All right, I'll forgive it. Go free. That very guy whose sins were forgiven, whose debts were paid, canceled, goes and finds his friend who owes him a hundred bucks and said, you need to pay me the hundred bucks right now. And this guy does the same thing he did. He gets on his knees. I am so sorry. I acknowledge I owe you the hundred bucks. I just can't pay it now. Can you give me some time? He said, no, pay it or you're going to jail. And he sends him to debtor's prison for a hundred bucks. The guy who forgave him a million goes and finds him and said, you wicked and evil servant. I forgave you a million dollars. You can't even forgive him a hundred and he sent him to jail. And Jesus tells that story to help us say, listen, someone owes you a hundred bucks and you won't forgive him, but God has forgiven you a million. You need to forgive the million, uh, the hundred rather, so you can have your million forgiven. And how do we do it? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. How did God forgive us? Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. God forgives freely without making you pay a price and fully. And that's how we are to forgive. You say, but what if I don't feel it? What if I don't feel like forgiving others? I want to remind you it begins with a choice. Choices lead feelings follow. You begin with a decision. Choices lead, feelings follow. I told you that one story when our daughter was hurt, how I was able, when I made a decision, I got just grace, I was able to forgive instantly. It took my wife five years to work through that. But I had another, another situation happen in my life that was much more, seemed much, it would be much easier to forgive, and it took me years probably. I'll tell you what happened. I, I went to work uh, at Bath Iron Works after college and I got to the place where I, I wasn't happy there. I knew that God had something different for my life. Not that, that wasn't a great place to work, but I had, he had something different. And So my wife and I decided we're, we're going to go to Bible school. And I went to my boss who was a Christian and a real nice guy. And I said, hey, would you just give me a recommendation? And he said, of course I will. So I filled out the application to Bible school, and I'm, time is getting close, and I'd given my resignation. I'm like, I had not accepted yet to Bible school. And I called him. I said, hey, how come I haven't got an acceptance letter? Oh, we're still waiting on a recommendation from your boss. I said, oh, okay. So I went in and saw him and said, hey, would you give me that recommendation now? And he said, uh, I'm not going to do it. I said, have I been a bad employee? He said, no, no, you've done a good job. Uh, you said you'd do it. You're a believer. What's, what's the problem? I, I just don't feel like this is a good school for you. I don't want you to go. I don't, I don't think you should. I said, well, I appreciate that, but it's kind of like my life, and you said you'd... No, he refused to do it. So I had to go to an old heathen boss that I had, and I got a great glowing recommendation from him. 
But for whatever reason, that just, it just stuck in my craw. And every time I'd think about him, I'd just think, ah, I was irritated. And it was like nagging me. I couldn't like get over it. I could say, yeah, I, I forgive him, but it, it was still there. It was, it was, every time I'd think about it, it was fresh and new. He was a great tennis player, and I was just hoping that he would go and pull a hamstring or something. <laughs> but every time that would come up, I just, I don't know why it was so hard. And then I got a hold of this little thing. I, I must have heard it from someone. I don't know how I heard about it, but I heard someone say, if you know you need to forgive and the emotions won't go away, it keeps coming up fresh in you, here's what you need to do. You need to, what Jesus said, bless those who curse you. You need to pray for them and pray a blessing on them every time that comes up. And I'm like, oh my word, he's going to be the most blessed man in the world because it comes up a lot. And every time, it's, it's funny, I don't understand it fully how something bigger than that, much bigger, instantly able to forgive, but this time, it took me a while, and I'd have to pray blessings on him every day, every day, every day. And one day, I don't know how it happened, I just remember that thought came again, and there was no ill will in my heart, and in fact, I just loved him, and I was like, I hope he's doing well. About a year ago, I hadn't seen him in 25 years. Um, who walks, you know, I'm greeting people out there sometimes, and who walks in was my old boss. It was family, his beautiful family, and I just hugged his neck, and it was just wonderful. And I, I'm so thankful I forgave. How about you? Is it still tender? still emotional, once you make the choice to forgive as God forgave us. Remember Jesus is on the cross? And what was his last prayer? Father, forgive them. The ones who were murdering the innocent Son of God. Stephen, the first Christian mar martyr. Father, forgive them. You don't think the stakes get any higher than murder. And I want to show you something and kind of end with this before Pastor Jay comes and closes. I want to show you a little video. And this is right out of the newspaper the last few weeks. But Amber Geiger was a, a, a police officer in Dallas, Texas. And um, she was having, I think, from the sound of the article, an inappropriate relationship with one of her co-workers, and she was sexting and headed home to her apartment one night, and she found the door open. And it was kind of odd, so she walks in, and there sitting on the couch eating ice cream is this guy. And she said she was scared and freaked out, and she shoots him and kills him, only to find out she had walked into someone else's apartment an innocent man eating ice cream on his couch. And this, this guy was a lover of Jesus. He was a worship leader. He had actually led worship in church the week before. Innocent man killed. And you can imagine if you're Botham's family, this woman doing something inappropriate at work, distracted, kills our son. I mean, it doesn't get any crazier than that, doesn't it? I mean, you would just want to 
see that person suffer. And so I want you to see some current events. This actually happened, but you'll notice in one of the family members' testimony at the end that he truly has forgiven. Those marks that you've truly forgiven is that you love that person and wish them well. So go ahead and watch this video on forgiveness, and uh, Pastor Jay will come and close it out. The story in Dallas that's grabbed America's attention. An innocent man minding his own business in his own home, shot and killed by a Dallas police officer. The four-year veteran of the police department uh, was seen in video that's been circulating quite a bit, uh, purportedly showing her in the moments after she shot uh, Jean inside his house. Come clean. Give me justice for my son. My son's life matters. Arrested for manslaughter. This is the face of DPD officer Amber Geiger. Geiger does not deserve to wear the badge. Geiger remains on paid leave after shooting and killing 26-year-old Botham John in his own apartment. This family cannot rest until justice is served. And this offender is punished to the fullest extent of the law. Today, Amber Geiger was fired 18 days after the death of Botham Shaw. What's his name? Botham John. What's his name? Botham John. To know Botham was to love Botham. I'm not satisfied that we have all the answers. And the number one answer that I want is what happened. Fire? Why did you fire? I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. That's, I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you.
I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. 